This is Confessions of a Former Mean Girl with Serena Myers. I'm a master transformation mentor and shadow guide, and I work with heart-centered, high-achieving women who are on the journey to becoming the truest version of themselves, which is only possible by first accepting all that they are. This podcast explores the lessons I've learned from my bad decisions so you can feel better about yours. It's normal to be a messy human, so let's talk about it. Hello, friend, and welcome to another episode brought to you from my very loud office. My office is actually in the front of my house, and there's a lot of construction going on. So rather than waiting for the perfect time, since there doesn't appear to be one, even right now on a Sunday, I thought I would just say forget it and record with the noisy background. So apologies for that. And please bear with me because we've got some things to talk about. Today's episode is actually brought to you by something that I asked on Instagram. So I put out a request saying, hey, I'm recording some more episodes for August. What do you want to know about? And this came in from somebody and it was sent anonymously. So of course, I'm not going to share their name, but I will tag them afterwards to let them know that this episode is out there. And the thing that they wanted to hear me talk about was finding the courage to put yourself out there. Now, this is kind of a double-edged situation because when I was sitting down to record today, my feeling was I wanted to talk about identity. And then that request popped into my head and I was like, oh, of course, because these are two halves of the same whole. So let's start off with talking about identity. And I want to share a little story. So at the start of the pandemic, I had just hit the seven-year wedding anniversary with my spouse. And maybe like a week or two later, I had noticed that she was pulling away and she was being really distant and disconnected. And we had just started our company together and I thought maybe she just didn't want to go into business together. And I was kind of feeling a bit insecure about it. And when I asked her, this huge truth came out that my husband was actually my wife. She had recognized that she was a trans woman. She was really struggling with how she was going to claim that. And immediately I went into this mode of like, okay, this is support mode. These are moments that are really critical for trans people. This is the thing that they're going to remember. Their kind of coming out story in some cases is literally life or death. Because I know a lot of, particularly with trans youth, when they come out to their parents and their parents reject them, it creates a horrible sense of identity. And I don't want to talk about the trans experience because it's not mine and that wouldn't be fair. But I do want to talk about how this impacted me. Now, I'm somebody who... I'm a cis woman. I had, you know, I'd always identified as being hetero, but like I'd hooked up with girls in bars and, you know, I was definitely a lot more fluid than I think I really gave myself credit for. But because I was living in a heteronormative relationship, you know, seven years in, I certainly hadn't really needed to consider any other identity. And it didn't really matter because I wasn't thinking of my sexuality as necessarily being me. It was just like, I just show up in the world as I am, whatever. I didn't give a lot of thought to it. But now that I was in this situation where I was navigating the world alongside a trans woman, where oftentimes I was the one who would go ahead and like speak to the people in the stores and make sure, particularly in the early days before she was out, make sure that she was welcome in the store and in the change rooms and these things that honestly, like we never should have had to do. And maybe we didn't have to do, but because it was new to both of us, we didn't really know. I started recognizing too that now I was part of a same-sex couple. And this, even though I had been really fluid up to that point, I hadn't really given much thought of it. I could just express who I was as I was. There was something about now being in this overtly different dynamic that started to make me question who I was and what I wanted. 
And I knew that I loved my wife. That was never a question. I knew I was attracted to my wife. That was never a question. I knew I was attracted to other women even, but it had never been something I had to think about because I was in this partnership. But there was something about being given the label, essentially, of lesbian that suddenly started to kind of get in my head. And I'm someone who, you know, up to that point, I think I'd, you know, so probably 12 or 13 years into my inner work journey. So I had done a lot of questioning. I had done therapy. I had, you know, spent five years in ayahuasca ceremonies. Like I really dug through my shit. And so here I was, this pretty reflective person starting to ask these big questions that were quite similar to the ones at the very beginning of my journey. And there were parts of me that felt like I had regressed. But what I noticed when we're doing inner work is that we do actually end up coming back to the same lessons that we had at some point, particularly at the beginning. But we're not actually experiencing the lesson in the same way. We're experiencing it, you know, several layers deeper. So there is a part of us that kind of gets frustrated and goes, oh, I've already been here. Why am I even struggling with this? But we're struggling with a new version of that same lesson. And it's okay. That's totally part of the evolution. We think about like inner work as like this upward line. It's not, it's a spiral and we keep kind of coiling around. Anyway, back to identity. One of the most ridiculous things I said, and I said a lot of ridiculous things in the early days of my wife's transition when I was trying to cope. One of the most ridiculous things I said was, well, like, what does this mean about me? What am I going to do? Do I have to go and get a lesbian haircut now? And my girlfriend said, uh, well, I don't know, Serena, do you want to get a lesbian haircut? And also, what is a lesbian haircut? And I had this idea in my mind, this stereotypical thing. And it was so funny because like an undercut is part of it, but I'd already had an undercut in the past. So it was like why I was attributing that to being a lesbian haircut. And I'm using air quotes. You can't see them. It was just this really ridiculous thing. This loss of identity stripped away my awareness of my choice. I really started to spin out about like, will I or won't I? Or should I stay or should I go? And like, what does this mean about me? And who do I show up as? And it fucked with everything. My confidence, it fucked with how I showed up in the world, how I connected with her. Because I was so worried about like making sure she was okay that any time that I had to myself, I used as the time to spin out about these things. And it created a whole lot of drama that actually wasn't necessary at all. When I could peel back the actual heart of it, which was, you get to choose, Serena. No one is saying that you have to stay or go. And people are going to have their opinions about that. I know there are people who pitied me, who thought that I was staying because I felt I had to or whatever, or that I was just like this really loyal spouse as opposed to someone who just loved their partner. When I committed to my wife, I committed to a lifetime partnership, but I also had the awareness that like shit happens and sometimes that changes. So I wasn't feeling obliged, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And people thought I did. And when I realized that none of what other people thought mattered, and that actually, I had a choice, I got to sit down and go, okay, do I want to be in this marriage? Yes. Okay. And as soon as I had that recognition that I could just make the choice and none of the rest of it mattered, all of this pressure came off. And I got to just go back to being myself. And I got to show up in my marriage as myself. And We got to build something really new together and get to know each other in these new ways because now she was expressing all of herself in ways that she hadn't before. This identity piece keeps a lot of us stuck. I know that I saw it when I was in corporate where, you know, the title that I had or the salary that I made or the size of my commission check, 
Like those things really gave me a sense of accomplishment. And I think I was kind of confusing accomplishment with value. Whereas I was, you know, worthy, like I talked about in a previous episode, I was worthy just as I was, but there was something about those external validations that I was almost using as identity. We see it with people who become parents who stop being the people that they were. They stop being even like the woman who conceived this child and now they're just the mom. And I don't mean just in any kind of diminishing way, but it's that we are these complex beings and mom is just one of the roles that we play. It's not actually the truth of who we are. I think about the people who have uh, really complicated dynamics in their relationships where they feel like they have to be like the dutiful daughter and where they find themselves in these positions where they have no boundaries, where they compromise themselves, where they put them their own needs on the back burner because there is this need to be this thing. And this thing, this identity that they're being is not necessarily truth, not their truth. They're showing up as they are feeling like they have to or like they're expected to. And so when we talk about the question that came in, which was like, how do I have the courage to show up? And as I am, the first work is owning who you are. And that is really difficult and is ongoing. And it is really deep, inquisitive work. And it can be a lot easier if you're not doing it with judgment or attachment where you can explore these things with neutrality, which I've talked about before, where we can ask questions and say, oh, why do I feel like that? Or what do I really want? Or how has this happened before? And, and why am I repeating these patterns where we can start to ask these really big questions? And that's actually like the magic that I do as a coach. I'm really great at kind of getting to the origin story and then seeing how it echoes out in other aspects of your life. And then we get to decide if that's true or not. And if it's not true, well, what is true? And is that truth what we want to be? And sometimes when we have truths, they can be things that are true and we don't want them to be, and they're not changeable. Like, I don't know, when I was a kid, I really wanted blue eyes. I hated my green eyes. I thought blue eyes were like the thing. But you know what? Like with the exception of colored contacts, I was going to have green eyes and that's just all there was to it. And that's okay. And so we do have these truths that are unchangeable. But if they are changeable, you know, like if we take a pattern like jealousy or competitiveness or things that keep showing up and holding us back in how we want to connect with other people, well, then we can say, okay, great. What are the things that I need to do to feel secure within myself so that these emotions don't rise? What aspects of my inner child need to be explored, expressed, healed, so that I can connect in these more deep, genuine ways with a sense of security attached to it? Just a couple of examples, but we have to do this identity piece first. Once we know who we are and we recognize that that is changeable and it's going to shift and change and grow and evolve as we do, and that that's okay. So, this idea of identity is a little bit more fluid, a little less rigid. Then we can work on the act of expressing that with the world. And when we fully embodied it, it's actually not as courageous as it seems when we're not in an unembodied place. And here's the reason. When you are embodied in a way of being, when something is just walking truth, you're not having to second guess it. You're not having to filter. You're not diluting yourself or watering down. You're not blending in. You're just being. You're not trying to like code switch depending on what circumstance you're in, whether you're trying to be more fancy, less fancy, more eloquent or more humble or whatever in your language, where you're just being, where you don't have to question it. 
And when that truth is just the way you operate, it doesn't require courage to show up in that way because you just do. And what happens in that process is that the people that you're around, those relationships will start to change. You'll start to find when you get pushback from people who are not comfortable with this new expression of who you are, you're going to find that if you are fully embodied, that doesn't shake who you are. Like it's okay that they have a problem with it. They can choose to get on board or leave. And likewise for you, you can choose if you want to keep these people around or not, but you don't have to change who you are in order to make them more comfortable. It happens with how we speak our truth. When we've done the work to really heal our immediate triggers, it means that we're able to, in general, not 100% of the time, but in general, we tend to have a better control over how we express our emotions. We don't bottle them up. We don't hold them in. And so we say them in the moment and we say them as we intend to, because there isn't any escalation. There isn't any drama or any pressure that has built up behind the scenes. It's just honest connection all slash most of the time. And these things, this what we're talking about is this natural state of being where we're not having to think about how to connect and how to respond and how to react. We get to just be. And when we're in that state of being, courage in general is not necessary because it's just our natural way of existing and connecting in the world. Now, even in these most embodied states, there will be moments where you're going to have to cultivate courage because there are still things that are intimidating or a little scary. Uh, I think about like in a job interview, you're still going to have the jitters, even if you're confident in who you are. And there's still going to be a desire to put your best foot forward, but you don't have to like overthink it or play it out or create any kind of persona. You get to just show up as the truest, most potent version of you because you haven't watered yourself down and you're not pretending to be anything else. I think about the same thing with first dates. It's better to have a first date that doesn't result in a second date because you showed up as the truest version of you and you're like, eh, we're not compatible than it is to have a second, third, 10th date with someone who you have connected to in a disingenuous way. And we're not doing this because we have any kind of malice. This isn't conscious manipulation. We're not assholes. We're just, we haven't been taught to be ourself. We haven't been taught that who we are at our fullest is lovable, wonderful, deserving. So, That is the work. The work is first in the identifying of who you are and the things that are in the way of you being able to fully express that and then working on that. And then the expression of yourself, the sharing, that becomes a natural byproduct. Yes, you will cultivate some courage on those big moments, those new beginnings, those difficult times like setting boundaries with people you love or standing up to somebody you really admire. But in general, the day-to-day stuff doesn't ask a lot of courage of you because it's just being true. It's just being your authentic self. And that's fucking beautiful. So to the person who asked this question, I hope you found this helpful. And of course, I would love to know to the rest of you what you thought. And with that as well, just a little mention, if you haven't already looked at my Unbound Sessions this is one of the things that we will dig into. We can take one area of your life that you have this stuckness. Expressing your truth and your identity is one of the biggest things that we can explore in this session. 
And we go into it with coaching. We go into it with a clearing ceremony. And then you have a week with me on Voxer, which is like a walkie-talkie app, where we get to talk about this embodying so that as you're integrating the work that we've done together, that you're still supported after the session. So I'll make sure that that's linked in the show notes for you. And let me know if that helps. Thanks for hanging out today. I look forward to next time. That's it for this episode. Thanks for spending this time with me. Make sure to stay in touch between episodes by following me on Instagram. I'm at Serena Myers. If this episode inspired you or you want to support the show, please give it a share to your favorite peeps and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time.